Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. All new pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburyboaters.com. Great service department and great sales staff as well. And we got a loaded show today. More talk on the big win against Villanova. Greg Pickle from Blue White Illustrated joining us at 3.35 today. Peter King from NBC Sports at 4.35 today. And lots to get into with him on the NFL if you, haven't, if you haven't known by now, Brady returning to Boxborough this weekend. So there's that to talk about. Looking forward to having him at 435, as well as Greg, too. A lot to get into between the game on Saturday, Indiana this week, night game, and James Franklin at his weekly press conference today. So we'll be breaking that down with Greg as well. We'll play some audio from that. A couple interesting notes from Coach Franklin on the team's approach last week, play the offensive line so far, the revenge game factor with Indiana after things went at the opening game for last year, so we'll get into that a little bit later on. And I think it's basically all noteworthy and righteous for what he says there with the offensive line. Wants them to be a little more aggressive and they need to work on the run game a little bit more and run block, so... I I can see that. As far as uh, the approach goes from the Villanova game, he thought they were a little inconsistent. And I can see that to a point last week. Wasn't the sharpest game in the world, but they still took care of business. They still were able to get things going in the passing game. But I think that was an honest answer from him. I think we all could have seen that. But it didn't really... I don't think affected the game in a complete outright. And then, of course, the revenge factor, we all know Steve would agree with James, and he doesn't think that's a big issue there. So we'll get into that a little bit later on. And I I think some of it is there somewhat, but I... Do I, I believe in the maturity of this team and from what we've heard from Brian Tripp on the sideline that it's not going to be the case there. But 
Then there is the NFL Pennsylvania team, Steve Jones, and yeah. <laughs> it said it would be non-competitive, what the? Uh, yeah, you were pretty much right there. Pretty much. It was not competitive. Correct. So you're sitting there. It's a rookie head coach. I got it. You're trying to do something. Why does Miles Sanders have two carries in the game? Very good question. Now, I'm not going to get on about the first half because you only had six plays in the first quarter in particular because of the way Dallas had the ball and you had the defensive touchdown. So I'm not going to get on him for that. But I am going to get on him for the second half because you have two instances. You're starting two drives where you're down two scores. All right? You can still run the football that that early in the ball game still, even and being down two scores. You don't have to throw it every single play. So yeah, Miles Sanders should have gone in the ball in those instances, and that's got to change. They tried through screens and, and stuff like that, but I don't know if they've noticed. Every time they've handed the ball up to Miles Sanders on a draw, it's gotten almost nine, ten yards a carry. Oh, and by the way, they average almost fourteen yards a carry or a play with Miles Sanders gets the ball in general. So that part I don't understand. So you're right. He needs to get the ball more. And the why he didn't get the ball more, I don't get. Seem angry. A little bit, yeah. But the only, the thing that I'm more angry about, Steve, is the penalties. Because if you're going to be a head coach and come in and establish yourself as, we're all about the fundamentals, we're all about the little things, we're all about attention to detail... Half your penalties are pre-snap penalties. So what does that tell me about you as a head coach trying to get this message through? Now, I'm not saying he's lost the rock locker. I'm not saying guys aren't buying in. I truly think they are, especially the way Nick Sirianni is during his post-game, very much a player-type guy, protect his players. Hey, it's on me. He's, very, he was, he's been very honest with the first two losses in press conferences. But that, that doesn't tell me that message is getting through somehow. And that's not good. I mean, it's unacceptable. You've now they have now established the franchise record for penalties in the first three games of a season. Can't happen. Do you want to be fired? No, too early for that. And then wait, what? Two more weeks? Uh it's hard to say right now. I, I got. I just got to see how things play out. I'm also getting, but I will say, there is one strike somewhat against Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator. Because all I heard about, oh, he's such a great mastermind. Oh, he's such a great in-game adjustmenter. We saw it in game one, sure, against Atlanta. But you've had no answer, especially last night, in games two and three. And if you're going to play too deep, which I'm not the biggest fan of, then you better have some adjustments throughout the game to slow the offense down. And he had Zipola last night. So I'm a little bit unimpressed right now with Jonathan Gannon on defense. Well, let me put it this way. You know how you make adjustments? When you have personnel to make adjustments with. Fair point. And Earth to Howie. Linebackers matter. Draft one next year. Eric Wilson's not it. We're starting... This is the other thing, too, about this defense, Steve. We're finding out some of the veterans they brought in all, maybe the second chance. You, you Now you know why you got they got brought in for the vet minimum. Eric Wilson, Anthony Harris. These guys are mediocre at best. Steve Nelson. 
Like, please. You uh, do not use free agency to resurrect your team. You use free agency to fill gaps. That's the way the NFL is. I mean, there's usually nobody of great note in free agency. And that's the bottom line. Um, the bottom line. Have you had a chance to watch the Mannings? I have watched bits and I didn't watch it last night because it was my team playing, so I wanted to get the full. I wanted to hear the real broadcast in case you know injuries and stuff like that. But I watched the first two weeks and I like it overall. I, I think it's in a good direction. I think Payton has a little bit too much command sometimes. I think Eli needs to have a little more say. But other than that, I, I think it's fun. I think it's fun watching Payton and Eli at some point, but especially Payton kind of geek out and breaking stuff down as it's happening. And I love the guests that they've been bringing on and the banter back and forth. You know, I, I think it's been pretty good so far. I haven't had a chance to see it. I've heard a lot about it, but I haven't had a chance to see it. So, yeah. It's uh, it's been interesting. From what I've, the comments I'm getting are really interesting. And maybe next week. I think what the Raiders play the Chargers next week. Yeah, big one next week. It's the fourth week of the season, but sure. <laughs> it's interest. It's an interesting one. How about that? Big one would be week fourteen. Um, but that's. It's a different broadcast. People I know watch it seem to really like it. I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Well, I recommend it. Sirianni tries to explain Sanders getting two carries. Okay. Um, Let's see. The first half... Just with how that went, those numbers get skewed at times, Sirianni said after the loss. I know they are what they are, but when you don't have that many plays in the first half, well, that's because you have penalties that stop drives, defense was on the field quite a bit, and then you're a position in the second half where you're down two scores the entire time, that's where it kind of comes into play. Well, one of the reasons you ran only 18 plays in the first half is you didn't execute well. You'd be amazed you get more plays if you get more first downs, right? Am I missing something? That's the other part of it, exactly. The The Eagles did not have a design run in the first quarter on nine plays. Did not run have one running play until 7-10 remaining in the second quarter. Then Sanders burst for a 24-yard run in the first down. <laughs> hmm. Again, you're not getting first downs. And if you're not getting... Well, we only had the ball 18 plays, and they had the X amount of plays. Okay, well, let's do a deep dive into that. They had X amount of plays because, A, you couldn't stop them. And, B, you only had 18 plays because you weren't moving the ball with what you did. <laughs> You'd be amazed. You get some first downs. They give you more plays. <laughs> That's how the league works. That's how the game works. You get a couple first downs, they give you more plays. <laughs> you had 18 plays because you didn't do a very good job executing. 
They're one and two. I'm not sure Atlanta counts. Who do they have next week? <laughs> Kansas City at home. <laughs> I think at best you're looking at a two and five start. But obviously I'm not very surprised if it's one and six. Kansas City. Then uh shoot, I'm drawing a blank now. Uh Carolina. Uh the Vegas and Tampa Bay are your next couple of games. <laughs> I'm not a believer Thank in Carolina know. yet. I think Carolina is the only winnable game in that slate. They're not going to beat Carolina. Give me a break. Um, thank goodness they got the Giants and the Jets on there. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think the latter half of the season, the Eagles could rack up some wins because it's it's the Jets and the majority of the NFC East. Six and eleven. All right. I also don't believe in the Saints yet either. So I think that could be a winnable game at home. And but other than that, and I think they can maybe win at Denver because I think Denver stinks. So as long as they deal with the altitude, they can get after Bridgewater or Locke, whoever was that quarterback at that time. Maybe that's a dub. But, yeah. Still doesn't look good, though. Have you looked at your team photo? Yes. And the players and the players occupying the uniforms? Yes. I wouldn't be predicting a lot of wins. I won't be surprised by anything. I'm just I'm just saying this is as good as it's going to get, and that's not good to begin with. That's very low standards to think that your only wins are going to be crappy NFC East teams and the Jets. At minimum, the bottom, the, the bottom line is it's still not a good outlook. The, once the losing starts, it becomes even more difficult mentally to win. Fair point as well, which is why you know I won't be surprised if it's at that point it won't matter, but. That's just how I see it three weeks in. God, you sound so depressed. Listen, I had low expectations coming into the season for the relatively low expectations, so. I mean, you're not even dressing the kids up in eagle garb anymore. <laughs> well, actually, we, we went to the Bloomsburg Fair last night with my parents, so I didn't get a chance to dress them in last night. But we had the first two weeks. You don't want the kid to, to go through life thinking he's a loser. <laughs> Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Daddy, why, why am I wearing this? Everybody makes fun. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment. So a rebellion takes place. I want a Packers jersey. What? Back with more in a moment here on... News Radio 1070 WKOK brought to you by Summary Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Summary Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. You take you a deuce, you don't you don't sit there and look at it. You flush it and move on. We're gonna flush it and move on. <laughs> I'm glad they made you laugh. <laughs> that you that line something. is the only good thing that came out of last night. You need something to laugh about. I, mean, I, I need this I need when the show's over, I need you to go home happy. So you can give those kids a big hug instead of looking at them and thinking that the Eagles haven't won since they've come into this world. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is pretty depressing. They've only won Dep- five games. Depre- <laughs> depressing? Those, you got two beautiful kids, <laughs> awesome wife. We're depressed with what? What? Because the Eagles aren't winning? Who cares? You hit the jackpot with your wife. You hit the jackpot with your kids. Be happy. Right? Oh, I am happy about that. I just wish we could see tell- more winning from the Eagles. That's all. That's five tell- wins I- since Luke has been born. I mean, I tried to tell the suit this, and I, yeah, that didn't work. All right, so, I mean, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Get the lingerie <laughs> on the deck. Call the janitor. I mean, come on. Why don't you be happy? You take your deuce. <laughs> you don't sit there and look at it. You flush it. Solid advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Toronto's going to beat the Yankees tonight. You're going to go in the tank. Well, yeah, this is this is a nerve-wracking series. Nerve-wracking? <laughs> you think I find that watching sports on TV nerve-wracking? I know you don't. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> okay. I got enough with the games I've got to do. And we got a lot going on today. Great to have you with us. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, almost worth online at sunburymotors.com. Greg Pickle, next half hour, Peter King, final half hour. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Who put together the uh, the promo there? Um, I think Mark usually does those. Absolutely brilliant job editing out editing out all the hecklers. <laughs> We got the rally in the valley, huh? We're going to preview that on Thursday, right? Oh yeah. Seals Grove's playing really well right now. All right. Uh, 
Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf Online at uh, sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory, best in pre-owned inventory, all with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. The Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, let's see, Peter King final half hour today. Tomorrow, Dave Zagaro and Jerry Dulac. And coming up on Thursday, Neil Kulong and Rich Scarcella. Pretty good lineup. And a big part of that pretty good lineup is Greg Pickle from Blue White Illustrated. Greg, welcome back. Always a pleasure. Great to have you with us. Hey, Steve. Good to be on with you. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Uh, what were your takeaways from the press conference with James Franklin? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that we learned from James Franklin today is that he was really hoping that the team would kind of take his words after the game that he shared with the media, and I'm also sure that he shared them in the locker room to heart, and that they would come out and have a difficult day of practice on Sunday and to get back to the edge and to all the things that he wants his program to have, his team to have, and it sounds to me like that was done. So obviously they were off yesterday, and they're go hit the practice field shortly here, and we'll learn more about Penn State uh, tomorrow when James Franklin talks. But, I mean, ultimately I think my takeaway, Steve, was just that, you know, there was a lot of people I think who were maybe disappointed in the way Penn State beat Villanova, and I get it to an extent. At the same time, I think we have to realize that it's sometimes just human nature that, you know, when you go to Wisconsin, when you play Ball State in the first game with fans in two years, and then you face Auburn and Whiteout, that I did very simple to maybe not look at Villanova the same way as those first three games, and you get a little bit sloppy because of that, maybe a little bit complacent. So, Ultimately, the takeaway for me today was just that I think James Franklin had a message. I'm sure his coaches echoed that, and it seems like the team has picked up on it in a way that has him feeling good, which should have Penn State fans feeling good ahead of this matchup with Indiana. One-third of the way through the regular season, so four games in, what is your assessment of where this football team is right now? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll start with the offense and with Sean Clifford playing the way he has of late. I mean, that was the big question coming into the year, right? I mean, we knew that Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington and Noah Kane would be some some of the you know bigger parts of the pitcher here, and that was all fine and well, but how Sean Clifford played was all anybody wanted to talk about from really the time Penn State decided last December it wasn't going to a bowl game at the end of the 2020 season until now. So, I mean, I think the offense is certainly in a place where they have to get the run game stuff cleaned up, and they can't just pass all the time and not ever be able to run successfully and be one-dimensional because of it, but, you know, if you would have asked people, uh, if you would have showed people the stats uh, from the first four games of the year in July and said, are you okay with this out of Penn State's offense, and is this what you would have expected from Mike Yershich, I think a lot of people would have said yes and yes. So I think that on that front, obviously there's room to grow, but they're certainly, I think, probably a little bit further ahead of what most people would expect expected for them. And then on the other side of the ball, I mean, 
Brent Price defense. So we knew Jaquan Brisker would be back and playing in the All-American level. We knew that Tariq Castro-Field was motivated by the way the 2020 season went and would be really good. But there were a lot of questions about this team, starting with the defensive line, but even the linebackers. You know, you knew what you had in Brandon Smith to a degree, but you weren't maybe sure about how good Ellis Brooks could be, and you weren't maybe sure about how far Curtis Jacobs had to go. And, you know, it's considered one of the best defenses in the country for a reason. Now they have yet to face really an offense with the Super Pulse, but I mean, you know, because Wisconsin certainly is uh, not lighting things on fire, uh, just like they did in the opener, and Penn State, of course, had something to do with that, as had the defense that they played, but yeah, ultimately, Steve, I think they're probably a little bit ahead of where I would have expected them to be at this point in time. I had them 4-0 coming out of um, coming out of the month of uh, September, so I'm not surprised so much by that. But I do think what we've seen out of them is probably a little bit further along than what I would have thought back, at, you know, at this time a month ago. What do you think Jesse Lucetta's move to defensive end? What has that done with this defense personnel-wise? Yeah, I mean, I think it's given it another. Uh, you know, another area where it can really hurt teams. And, you know, look, Jesse, when they started talking about back in the spring moving him to defensive end, I admittedly wasn't too sure how that would work. But it's been uh, just outstanding, I think. You know, he's really fun to watch. He really gets off the ball quickly. He is really aggressive and really, you know, to go back to the Tuesday news conference here, James Franklin talked about playing with an edge. He plays with it um, from an aggressive standpoint from an energy standpoint, and, and so on and so forth. So it's really allowed Penn State's defense to get to a point where it is capable of, um, you know, blitzing teams off the edge. It's capable of rushing teams from just four guys or even three guys at the line of scrimmage, you know. And it, I don't know, the Kennedy's, of course, part of that, Nick Tarbert and some other guys. But Jesse Lucchetta is almost like a co-starter at this point. There's a good reason for that because he's been – really productive, really impactful, and has given this Penn State defense something that maybe it didn't have a year ago. They usually play a lot of players on this team. I'll usually talk about, hey, look, they'll play anywhere from 15 to 22 players on defense. They'll probably play anywhere from, I don't know, I'd say 15 to 18 players on offense, maybe even 20. What do you think of the team's depth at this point based on that? Yeah, it's again, kind of to go back to the two questions ago, it's probably a little bit further along than I would have expected. You know, I don't know at the end of August if I would have thought we'd see Devon Ellis playing so much, but he's carved himself out a really yeah. nice role. You know, with uh, Tar Burton, Evichetti, and Lucetta, you have a really good three-headed monster at defensive end, and when we see some Smith, Gilbert, and some other guys, but those are basically your three there. You know, we've seen some more Charlie Catcher of late, and then the secondary, I think, We've long known now that that was going to be not just the strength of a team, but one where even though you can only start four guys, or if you want to call it five with Dequan Hardy being the uh, main slot nickel guy, you know, you might be able to only start five, but you have Johnny Dixon, you have Kalen King, you have more guys there. Um, you know, most teams would love to have that kind of depth. So they've definitely been able to play a lot of guys over the first four games, maybe not as much as the years where you don't have an Auburn in September or you don't go to Wisconsin in September, but guys who have earned reps are certainly getting them and it's been good from a development standpoint because they certainly uh, you know, certainly work in their favor down the road. A player that has entered the mix in the last two weeks has been John Lovett. What have you thought of him? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, Steve. He's just explosive. I mean, 
you know, when James Franklin talks about him being the kind of guy who has played a lot of football and really kind of is helping Penn State because of it, I think you just see it, you know. No moment's too big for him, and he understands. I'm not saying these other guys don't, but it's just different after you start at uh, another FDS program for a few years. You get that the ball is the program, and you can't risk putting it on the ground, and you can't risk you know, giving up, maybe not getting two yards because you want to try and do something extra to get four or five and end up losing four or five. So, I mean, he's quick. He's definitely a change of pace compared to when they have uh, Noah Kane and Kevon Lee in, and I'm excited to see what more his role can be now that he's uh, getting his feet wet with Penn State's offense, with Mike Yersich, with Jalen Sider. You know, I think there's a lot of things that he can do to change pace and to keep teams off balance, and it's just going to be fascinating to see what kind of role uh, Penn State finds for him as the season continues. But I've been really impressed by him so far, and all the transfers really have found a role for the most part that I think is uh, – has differentiated this roster in a way that the transfer portal had not done before. What is your sense in what Mike Yurcich means to Sean Clifford and vice versa? Do you have any feel for that yet? I think it's probably a little bit more difficult to get a feel for it at this point, just because how do you, you know, what, so obviously I think Sean Clifford and Mike Yurcich have really bonded, or at least it seems like they have, and Mike Yurcich is a bit of a perfectionist, and Mike Yurcich is certainly a good teacher and things like that. So I think for Sean Clifford, just the chance to work with his offensive coordinator in person again was a big deal. And, you know, this was a guy who, again, was really successful in 2019 and not so much in 2020 when things were obviously so abnormal and so different compared to the past. So, you know, I think that they're helping each other. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Mike Yurcich has been very successful everywhere he's been. Sean Clifford had one really good year and one so-so year and now he's back close to that really good year for him and you know so I don't know how much of it's yearsage how much of it's just the normalness of this year compared to 2020 and how much is it that Sean Clifford's been now in his third year as a starter but certainly I think that there's something to be said about what kind of impact Mike Yersich has had but at the same time I think you have to give uh, Sean Clifford to and be careful in that conversation to not just say that Mike Yurcich is the one uh, doing this basically all by himself for Sean Clifford because I do think Clifford has grown in a lot of different ways as well. All right, uh, what you know? Any gauge you have yet uh, early in the week on Indiana? You know, I was funny. I was just sitting down to do the uh, do the opposing view post that we do each week the matchups to see where Penn State has an edge and where its opponent might have an edge. And I've only gotten a little of the way through it, but I don't know if I see too many areas where Indiana is going to be able to really uh, expose Penn State. You know, obviously Michael Penix Jr., very good quarterback, but he hasn't seemed to be as good this year. Teams seem to have maybe figured out his tendencies a little bit, so I would expect Penn State's defense to have a really good day against him. Obviously, you're going to have to make sure he doesn't uh, extend plays with his feet and so on and so forth, but you know, one of their better receivers, D.J. Matthews, is now out for the year with an ACL injury, which is unfortunate, but that hurts that offense, and so I mean, I guess just Looking at the box scores, looking at some of the tape and what I've been able to watch live in past weeks, I just don't get a sense that this Indiana team should challenge Penn State as much as it was able to a year ago at home now that it has to go on the road. It lost some pretty key members of that team a year ago. Of course, it has some back as well. But, yeah, I just think, Steve, that last year going into that game, you didn't know what to expect. No one did. I mean, it was just crazy. But 
this yeah. year I think you can get a much better feel for where both teams are and I don't know if Indiana's as good as some people thought. I think Penn State might be better than some thought, and I think that'll show up on Saturday. Uh, I know you're still very closely. I mean, there are different roles for you at BWI, but you still follow the recruiting part closely. When you're looking at what they've put together for this upcoming recruiting class and how they look a year from now, how impressive has this been? Yeah, it's been really impressive. I mean, I just look at everything that they have done during this cycle and they've really hit on all cylinders you know they've been able to fill spots that weren't there before they've been able to uh you know they've been able to get guys from parts of the country that maybe they weren't as successful at in the past so yeah ultimately steve i just they have done a world-class job so far and they just have to get it to the finish line now in december and get these guys to sign and there's no indication that anyone is not interested or that anyone is sort of uh you know, sort of looking around, but you still just got to get to that point. You got to get through October and November and get the signatures in in December. But yeah, it's a really good class. Could get a little bit bigger. And, uh, you know, after the last year was a little bit tougher for Penn State, this has certainly been a much better year for them. Well, you're to the finish line. Appreciate you so much. Thank you, Greg. All right. Thank you, Steve. Have a great day, guys. All right. Uh, Peter King, final half hour. Um, it was great to get Greg on the show because I think it gave Matt an opportunity to cool down. Just... Yes. Okay. I'm just concerned. Reminded me that, yes, I actually watched some good football live in person yeah. and had a good time. But, but you hit the <laughs> jackpot in life. Well, yes, of course. That goes without saying. Who cares if they win? You take you a douche, you don't sit there and look at it, you flush it. Well, it's always great when Matt decides to fall back on that as the philosophy of life. Back <laughs> with more in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. I just want to see us take take another step. Thought last week we were a little bit inconsistent in our approach and our mentality. So I, you know, I guess I guess if you're being specific, it'd be that. But I, I just want us to take a, take another step. I want to see an attention to detail, and I want to see a focus, and I want to see us take another step in the right direction. Now, this is what I told the suit about the Friday night broadcast. I wanted to take another step. <laughs> Ignore the hecklers. Ignore the noise. Ignore the people who say they could do it better than you can. Got to ignore them. And rely on the chief a little more. What do you think? You need to get better or get worse. You never stay the same. I'd give that advice to the Eagles, but they just don't have enough people. No good! No good! No good! What was the first touchdown? Was that the Fletcher Cox play? Yes. So the offense produced 14 points? That is correct. And one was in garbage time. I thought you were a big believer in garbage time. No, never been. That's one That's thing I'm not. In fact, That's I was. In fact, I was in bed once. It was forty-one fourteen. You quitter! 
You're such a quitter. Oh, my. You quit. You quit on your team. Oh, my goodness. You quit on your team. Is that what you want to teach the young lads? You take you a deuce. You don't sit there and look at it. You flush it. Well, maybe I would have gone to bed early, too. All right. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. <laughs> Uh, not a good night. And I don't see better days ahead. You don't. Uh, you've got some really good personnel. I mean, obviously, Miles Sanders is really good. Obviously, I think Devontae Smith is going to be really good. you got what now three major injuries on the offensive line, right? Three? Correct. Which With is, Brandon which Brooks is, hopefully which, to return which, some point during the year. but yeah, Which is just a crusher in yeah. the short term. In the short term, it's a crusher. Uh, I don't care who the coaching staff is. You know, you just can't pull rabbits out of a hat. Uh, the difference, you see, what the difference between, for example, let's take the difference between Philadelphia and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, for example, obviously a great team, Super Bowl winning team, can lose some players and still win. The Eagles don't have that kind of depth. When you're in the second division of the league, which is where, they, unfortunately, where they are now. I mean, that's you know, they, after being at the top of the hill, they're now in the second division of the league. At least for now, we'll see. Uh, but if you start losing some players, your margin of error is exponentially smaller to begin with. And I think that that's that's an issue for them. It's not what you wanted to hear. I mean, I know you'd rather hear me just hate, but that's just, you know, I can't do that. See, I tried to see. They, they, we were talking about this last week. I tried Matt Nuts. Nah, I don't believe in trap games. No, I don't believe <laughs> I don't believe in, in, in revenge games. I mean, I don't believe in that stuff. I just don't. Right? But we've now found out Matt believes in garbage time. That is not the one thing I believe in. I'm sorry, you don't believe I'm sorry, you don't believe in garbage time. Correct. In garbage time is just time time to go to sleep. Exactly. Wow. But you believe in revenge games. When warranted, yes. Like what's the biggest revenge game in your lifetime? Well, I, I was definitely at one of them. And that was McNabb's return to Philly as a then Redskin. I definitely okay. think that was one. Okay. Did they win? They did. Washington won seventeen to twelve. Oh, Washington won. Oh, Eagles didn't win. Right. No, I meant revenge for McNabb because oh, it was his, right. it was it was his return to Philly. Okay, so so a game that. The winner had 17 points, and the quarterback had everything to do with it? Everyone rallies around the quarterback. Hmm. I didn't feel like they rallied around Carson Wentz last year. Well, in most cases. (laughs) In that case, they did. (laughs) Unreal. All right. See, I just don't. I don't believe in trap games. I don't believe in revenge games. I just believe in like, like really going to work and taking care of you. 
got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of you. I'm a big believer in execution. And in the last couple of weeks, Matt's been in favor of my execution. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> 